The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! Right here on 960theref.com. Hello, 960 The Ref listeners. Welcome into another edition of the Crossover Podcast right here on 960theref.com. Sam Franco, Chris Brame, along with you. Plenty to get to on this edition of the Crossover. Don't forget, you can find us every week on 960theref.com, or we can find you if you subscribe to us on iTunes, because then as soon as we upload the episode, it'll download right into your uh, podcast folder on iTunes. So it just makes it that much easier for you to listen to us, but like I said a second ago, plenty to get to on this episode. We'll talk some Georgia football. We'll hold off on the Florida talk until next week, so I think we're going to go very heavy Georgia-Florida on next week's episode. So we'll talk about the Missouri game. Uh, we'll also talk about the Falcons and uh, the terrible loss to terrible. Uh, Jay Cutler and the Dolphins. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about the start of the NBA season, which uh, got off to a very sour note uh, with the uh, injury to Gordon Hayward. I mean, I, I don't know of a worse way to start a season, especially when you've just signed for a new team. So uh, we'll hit on that uh, as well. And, and one of the worst-sounding injuries I've ever heard, like while watching a game on TV. See, I refuse three. to. I'll just take everyone's word for it that it was disgusting. Yeah, I still haven't see seen it. it. No, you don't need to yeah, see I'm it. Yeah, I'm not going don't, to. Don't but go like, let me act, look for it. Was it worse? Like, you've seen Sid Vicious. Oh gosh! When he jumps off the top rope and lands on one leg and just yeah, like and his snaps. leg like is like makes the letter L basically. Was this, it worse than that? This or? one isn't that bad. Like okay. like that one is the that might be the worst I've ever seen. That one's disgusting because he plants on that one leg and just his leg snaps in half. I mean, yeah. there's no other way to describe that. Um, this one, Hayward's leg gets trapped up underneath him when he falls down, and you just hear this. Oh, like, okay. Pop. Yeah, I'm not. I don't need to. Well, look it's it, it's that. it's just one of the worst sounded because the impact of him hitting the floor plus the the leg break, and it's interesting because the way they did the camera angle on it, the shoe looked like it had just come off, and it looked like his heel was sticking out of his shoe. He's like, oh, he's fine, and then they show it again, and like, oh, that's not his heel sticking out of his shoe. That's his ankle. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll pass on yeah. that. I mean, I, I've seen Joe Theismann and I've I've seen Sid Vicious, Willis McGahee in the uh, national championship game was a really bad that, one. Yeah, that was one I'd forgotten. Kevin about. Ware, you can't forget that. I mean, Kevin, Kevin Ware's the bone was sticking out. The bone of was his sticking leg. out. I mean, that's probably the nastiest one. It's the gross. bone sticking out. Yeah, no question about that. Not great at all. So we'll we'll talk about the the NBA and what we expect of it. Uh, do we feel like Michael Jordan to where there's 28 garbage teams and only two good teams? Yes. Okay. So yeah. we'll we'll get that Chris Brains. We'll get I don't Chris know if they're g- garbage, but in June the Cavaliers and and Warriors are going to play for a third straight year in the finals. All right. So we'll get your thoughts on on that and more coming up at the end of the show. But first, Georgia, Missouri. It was an interesting game. I mean, Missouri in that first quarter, they were scoring right with the dogs, uh, hitting uh, uh, Drew Locke to Emmanuel Hall over the top, two sixty-three yard touchdowns. I know the the second one was actually in the second quarter, but early in the game. Georgia had a fight on their hands, and they got into this track meet. And then what this team has done under Coach Smart, make adjustments. And they made the adjustments to stop Missouri from what they were doing. And obviously on defense, Missouri stacked the box early to try to make Jake Fromm beat them. The problem from Missouri's standpoint, Jake Fromm was beating them. So 
when their guys had to back off a little bit to respect the pass, that's when Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, and the running backs really started to to get their groove on. So yeah, to Mis- speak. yeah, Missouri did what it did last year with Jacob Eason was uh, stack that box and try and make Eason beat him. And even last year, Eason did beat him and had mm-hmm. to throw like fifty times yeah. on the road in his first road start as a freshman. So yeah, Fromm ended up with his most passing attempts uh, too, and. Um, you know, I, I, like I said earlier in the week, I was listening to the, I woke up Sunday morning, I had some errands to run and I turned on the bulldog brunch and, you know, I heard a couple callers that were like, you know, they were worried about this or they were worried about that. And it's like, if you can't appreciate Georgia winning an SEC game by 25 points to go seven and zero, stop watching Georgia. Cause it will never make you happy. And, yeah, I mean, there were a few moments in that game. They did hit two 63-yard touchdown passes. And, yes, those count. But of the 22 other plays then that Missouri ran in the first half, um, they compiled like 70-something yards because they had 200 yards at the uh, half. So it was 74 yards and like 22 other plays. They had 21 yards in the third quarter. So, uh, yeah, there were two busted plays there for Georgia's defense. And... But the rest of the night, it looked like Georgia's defense had looked uh, pretty much all season, uh, all season long, and Missouri was able to do what Missouri can do well, and that is they do hit big passing plays. Yeah, and that's the thing. Of all the teams on Georgia's schedule, this team was best set up to try to test the dogs deep. I mean, some people might be worried. It's like, oh man, Missouri's able to get behind the defense. Look at Florida. Look at South Carolina. Look at Kentucky. Are those teams set up to do that? Not as well as Missouri. No, in fact, I was just looking uh, this morning, and I know, like you said, we'll get to uh, we'll get to Florida next week. But I was looking at some passing stats of Felipe Franks, and uh, him throwing the ball twenty yards or more downfield, his completion percentage is like twenty five percent. And Yikes. I know, I know, one of the passes he completed was that hail mary, basically mm-hmm. to beat Tennessee. So that counts for one of them. So. You know, point being, most of his passing is either done behind the line of scrimmage or within like 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, I mean, they're not uh, as equipped to do that. That is something Missouri is equipped to do. And, you know, a bit, uh, and they hit a couple of big ones on the, uh, on the dog Saturday night. But, you know, in the end, I don't think it's anything to, uh, to really get too, too torn up about. If anything, the thing I would get, I, I would show or be the most worried about is the fact that this is, was the second straight game where Georgia didn't get a sack. And the pass rush, hopefully getting Trenton Thompson back, helps that out because he eats up so much space on the defensive line that helps guys like Lorenzo Carter, Davin Bellamy, to have more room to get to the quarterback. Right. And, um, you know, and look, Natros Patrick uh, didn't play, and he won't play next week uh, either, and I guess he won't play the game after that. So he's halfway through what uh, what we all assume is a, is a four-game suspension. But – um, but yeah, I mean, not having Trenton Thompson too, that's another key there. If that was the first time this season that Georgia didn't turn an, uh, in an A plus effort on defense, I mean, consider it was down a couple of uh, starters. And then even as, you know, like uh, David Marshall didn't play in the game, Daquan Hawkins Muckle didn't play in the game. So even there on the defensive line up front, Georgia was shorthanded going into that, uh, going into that game and keep in mind, they only, to me, they only gave up, uh, 21 points because the one touchdown Missouri scored was pretty much a pick six. Oh they yeah. got the ball on the five yard line. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And it was uh, not a great play from from, but other than that, Jake from played about as good of a game as you could. And, and I know a lot of fans 
wonder about Jacob Eason and wonder what this team would look like with Jacob Eason at quarterback. But Jeff and I were, were doing our uh, post-game Facebook Live after this game, and we both said, I mean, th- this this issue of a quarterback controversy, if there even was one going into this game, is completely put to bed No, there now. is a one. Eason is now the backup quarterback. Right, especially yeah. with the performance Fromm put out there. And a lot of people are like, well, Georgia doesn't have as good of a passing game. They don't, they're going to have to beat teams deep with the passing game sometime down the road. Jake Fromm needed to have this game for himself, but I also think that the Georgia fan base needed to see this game from Jake Fromm. Well, and when is sometime down the road that Georgia's going to have to do that? That's what I'm saying. I, mean, I don't know. Against, I mean, maybe against Alabama. <laughs> against Alabama, or at this point, you know, hypothetically, if they get to the playoff. But if Georgia's in the playoff, I mean, I'll just worry about that then. Right. I mean, <laughs> right now, Georgia's winning games by pounding the opponent into submission with the running game and supplementing that with a passing right. game. I, I mean, mean yeah. they've been pretty balanced. 370 rushing yards against Missouri, 326 passing yards. Sure. And, the, I mean, the thing about Florida, it's like, are you going to have to beat them with the passing game? Like, well, that's a, you probably want to go in there and hopefully you could beat them with the running game because Florida does have a good secondary. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that they all of a sudden the Gators have been turning out is like, uh, you know, these first-round picks in the at defensive back and they've got another good – uh, tandem back there again, but their defense overall is uh, nowhere near as fierce as it has been the last couple of seasons. Right, and I, like I said earlier, I don't want to get too much into Florida, but I do think it's interesting with Coach McElwain kind of being on a, a semi-hot seat here, and not as hot as some of the other coaches in the conference, including Butch Jones and Brett Bielema, but when you look at what Jim McElwain has done at Florida, they brought him in as an offensive coach to improve the offense, and he still hasn't done that. No, I mean, Florida looks uh, to be in about the same position that it was in the the dying days of the Will Muschamp era there. Um, you know, now they fired Muschamp, and Muschamp's gone to South Carolina, and I, mean, I think he's he's done a pretty good job there. And, um, you know, I thought they'd be terrible last season, and they ended up in a bowl game. Uh, they've got a couple of nice wins this year, too, although those, you know, those first two wins this season were – the oddities of South Carolina had actually gotten out game. They were returning kicks for touchdowns with uh, Debo Samuel. But, you know, even without Samuel, they went to Knoxville and won last week. And, you know, that's a game, well, we've still got ahead of us too. And it is uh, sandwiched in between the Gators and Auburn. But, you know, the one thing that's been encouraging about this uh, team and the way it's gone about its business, talking about Georgia now, is in, uh, you know, for most teams – you know, you look at a, an opponent like South Carolina in between Florida and Auburn, and that just uh, reeks of trap game. But I don't get the sense that this team's going to fall into those little tricks of the schedule this season because they have uh, they seem to be focused on uh, the opponent at hand week in and week out. So going into the bye week now and, and getting ready for Florida, where is Georgia compared to where you thought they would be? I, I think for me – Looking at the schedule, I thought that Georgia might have some trouble. This is just before the season, before we really knew about any of these teams. I thought Georgia would have trouble in Knoxville, because they always do. But other than that, I thought the Dogs would win the rest of the game. So I, at worst, had Georgia with one loss at this point. But even then, the fact that I thought that they could be a one-loss team going into the bye week, they have still way outperformed my expectations. The team is miles ahead of where I uh, imagine they would be. And, yeah, I mean, I, I maybe figured maybe they lose at Notre Dame, could have dropped one of those games. Yeah, that uh, was like a toss-up to me, the Notre Dame game. I thought Georgia would win. And then the Tennessee game was really the only one that I was kind of worried about. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee or Vandy. Mississippi State a little bit because of, of Fitzgerald. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, I maybe it, but 
uh, the worst case scenario at this point would have been five and two. So I never imagined that uh, seven games in Georgia was going to be just uh, dreadful or anything like that. But you know, even if you had told me at the beginning of the season that Georgia would be seven and zero, I mean, I would have. I said, like, yeah. I mean, I think there's a good chance Georgia could be seven and zero. But even that, would I have imagined that Georgia's margin of victory in SEC games would be thirty-one points? I mean, heck no. So, yeah. I mean, this is just. Um, I mean, look. This is. I feel like we're experiencing what Alabama fans. You know, what we've done for seven games, Alabama's been doing for like the last 10 years. This season is very similar to 2008 Alabama season. I know they didn't win the SEC that year because Tim Tebow still had one more year to go at Florida. But this was kind of, you know, 2008 was Nick Saban's second season. 2008 is, or 2017 is Kirby Smart's second season. The team is, is going in. And, and remember, what Georgia did maybe to Mississippi State, Tennessee, is similar to what Alabama came in and did to Georgia. Well, yeah, and then what, um, you know, even what they had done to open up that season against Clemson when Clemson was ranked preseason in the top 10 and Alabama was coming off their 07 year. Where they lost to Louisiana Monroe. Yeah, and, you know, so Alabama was, I don't even know, maybe they were ranked, but, you know, Clemson was the team that was in the top 10 with some hype, and then, you know, Alabama just went in there and uh, and blew them away. But, yeah, I mean, and hopefully there'll be a different outcome because I remember that SEC championship game where the Gators were heavily favored. Mm -hmm. Because they had Tebow still, and you know Alabama led that game most of the uh, most of the way. They led at the half, and then you know finally Florida was able to ended up winning by about ten or eleven points. And you know, so hopefully if Georgia gets to the SEC title game against uh, the established power in Alabama, that uh, the dogs can be equally as competitive. Although in this instance here. You know, that's not just the BCS. There is a playoff, so maybe Georgia <laughs> could somehow even still get into that playoff uh, regardless of the outcome of the SEC championship. You've said this, and Dave has said this as well. I think Notre Dame would still need to have one more loss, you know, even because Notre Dame with one loss versus a, a Georgia with one loss, even if the one loss was to Alabama in the SEC title game by a very thin margin – you know, just that allure of Notre Dame. Notre Dame, if their only loss is by one point to Georgia, and Georgia's, you know, like in the SEC championship game, yeah, there's Notre Dame is absolutely in the playoff. Here, Notre Dame. It'd be ridiculous lose. though if you beat them head to head and they still got in. The oh, playoff I know, you, but, but no, you know, they're. I mean, they're going to lose somewhere. They've. I think they're going to lose possibly this weekend. I yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance they could too. But that's you know, they've still got to play. They play USC this weekend. They still play NC State. They still play Miami. They still play Stanford. Um, you know, so far they've they've beaten their their best win is against Michigan State. Notre Dame gave up like 500 yards in that game. Uh, Sparty turned it over like four times. Um, so I mean, who have they beaten? They've beaten Temple, North Carolina, Boston College, um, uh, Miami of Ohio. That's right. I yeah, think Ohio. is one of yeah, them. Yeah. So like I don't know. They and Michigan State. Michigan State's was their best win. But you know, like I said, even in that game, they gave up 500 yards. So they've got they've got another loss or two coming. Probably getting ahead of ourselves though. Georgia does have the bye week and then Florida, so make sure to tune back in next week when we go heavy Georgia Florida here on the crossover. All right, we'll uh, jump now to the NFL, where the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> lost another rough game. This one to the Miami Dolphins at Mercedes Benz Stadium, twenty to seventeen. Uh, Jay Cutler uh, leading uh, the Dolphins to victory with uh, two touchdown passes, uh, only one hundred and fifty one yards. Uh, through the air but just not a not a great game for the Falcons I, I thought that Matt Ryan wasn't 
terrible. He had some moments where he looked pretty good, and having Julio Jones back was was big, but didn't really end up doing a whole lot. Six catches, 72 yards. Austin Hooper was targeted a lot, and he was targeted on the interception by Rashad Jones to end the game. I think Hooper like bobbled the catch a little bit, which which helped uh, Jones get that interception. But overall, if you're looking at the Falcons right now, uh, three and two with two losses being at home to a, a good Bills team, but not a good Dolphins team. Yeah, I mean, it, you're gonna have a hard time making the playoffs if you've already got two losses at home to two teams in the AFC East, and not one of those teams is New England, who Atlanta has to play Sunday. At uh, at New England, you know, Josh McCown just threw for 354 yards against the Patriots defense. And Matt so, Ryan's the MVP. So <laughs> right. I mean, this is if 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 this Falcons offense is going to do anything this season, it has to. As crazy as it sounds, to you know, you're playing the Patriots and like you better get back on track. But if you don't against New England, then um, you know it might be time to start cashing in the chips on this year for the uh, for the Falcons because New England's defense has been uh, pitiful this season and Atlanta now the last two games they've scored 17 points at home against the Bills and Dolphins the Bills do have a pretty good defense and I mean I, you know, Miami actually has a decent defense too their secondary had really struggled defending the pass but their defensive line just whooped Atlanta's offensive line last uh, last Sunday but ultimately the Falcons still led 17 to nothing at the half and then not once in the second half stopped Jay Cutler. They scored on every possession, with the exception of when they got the ball back and had to kneel one time. I mean, yeah, when you're up 17 to nothing at halftime at home, you should win the game. Against Jay Cutler. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not Aaron Rodgers. No. I mean, if they're up 17 nothing at home against Aaron Rodgers and you end up losing, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. But you're up 17 nothing at home against Jay Cutler and the Dolphins who had been shut out already by the Saints. In fact, 20 points is the most points they've scored in a game this year. They haven't scored more than 20 points in a game. That, yeah. was, that was a horrendous loss for Atlanta and one that right now, I mean, you'd have to say there's no way you can make the playoffs if you lose twice at home to the Bills or the Dolphins. No, I mean, you almost have to get the win this weekend to kind of balance it back out, and that's a big spot Sunday night football. It feels weird to say this, but it this game for some reason to me is just setting up for Atlanta to win. I agree. I mean, because they 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 lost at home to the Dolphins, and now they're going to New England. Who you know, even though New England has struggled on defense, it's still New England. They've still got Tom Brady, so I think there's still this perception of the Patriots that has them elevated a little bit more than they probably deserve for this uh, for this year, but. Um, you know, I would be hopeful again, like it's Josh McCown threw for 354 yards and really should have had three touchdown passes because they got hooked. On oh that yeah. One call. That, that, that was a touchdown. Oh uh, yeah. It was a touchdown. And the guy, when the guy like kind of bobbles the ball or whatever, yeah. and they said he bobbled it out of bounds. Or right. Something. Well, that's ridiculous. So if McCown could put up those numbers against new England's defense, then Matt Ryan better. And I mean, come on, is Julio Jones going to catch a touchdown pass this season? He needs to. And then they should get Muhammad Sanu back. So that will help Julio in terms of all the attention that he sees yeah and also Courtney Upshaw should be back that was a very understated when he left the game against the Packers you know that was a an injury that maybe a lot of people didn't have like on the top of their radar or right up near the top but he's been very good for Atlanta yeah and he, he had a sack in the Super Bowl right against uh against Brady and that'd be something too because Atlanta was the first time in how many games they didn't have a sack last week mm-hmm, that's uh, true um and I'm, I'll tell you you know after the game I, I found myself asking did Beasley play? 
And it turned out he did. He played like 26 snaps, but I don't really remember him. Well, that's still not a game. lot. I mean, only 26 snaps for your, you know, led the NFL in sacks pass rusher last year. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, I guess he's working his way back from an injury too, but um that was the thing. I was like, I, you didn't. I didn't even notice him at any point during. But the I game. mean, the dumbest thing: the Falcons win the game probably if Grady Jarrett doesn't do that stupid uh, roughing the passer on Jay Cutler because yep. that was an interception. Yeah, they wiped out a pick, and they also had that crazy uh, punt snap where I guess Quinn says the ball got caught on the turf of the stadium. It hit something. I don't know what happened. It, you know, it, well, he it, says it did. It just it got it like dragged on the turf. Well, that's no good. No, <laughs> I know, right? Somebody needs to fix that. You got to go and mow that. That's yeah, mow the. Did they mow have the, the wrong grass. pitch on there? Did they have the Atlanta United pitch and Uh-oh. didn't trade it out? Uh oh, I think it's the same one actually. Oh, I thought they traded it out. No, it's the same. Oh, it field. is the same. Yeah, okay. it's the same field. Uh-oh. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's something they need to look at for sure. But uh, the Falcons heading to Foxborough. A little Sunday night football action. The Falcons and Patriots in prime time. I know they love those uh, Super Bowl rematches when they can get them. So. Uh, this will definitely have some eyeballs on it. Maybe not as many as it would have been if the Falcons were actually playing good football. Right? Well, that's it. May, maybe that maybe is the excuse Atlanta got into. They were up seventeen nothing on the Dolphins at the half and started thinking about New England uh, oh, prematurely. God. Oh no! Please don't do that, Falcons. Just focus on the task at hand. As uh, Kirby Smart likes to say, "Keep chopping wood." Yeah. You know, attack the day. And uh, well, as Dan Quinn likes to say, "Brotherhood." And those little like those catchy slogans. They uh, they sound good until they don't. They sound good when you're winning, exactly. but when you're losing, they sound patronizing. Yeah, because, I mean, <laughs> you know, like Tuesday when I'm listening to Dan Quinn talk about the brotherhood, I'm like, that sounded good when you were in the Super Bowl, yeah, but after right. two days after losing to the Dolphins, you just sound goofy. That's very true. So uh, those those sayings do work a lot better when uh, you're winning. So it's hopefully, annoying. The, yeah, it, it is annoying. Patronizing, annoying, whatever you want to call it. Uh, hopefully the Falcons go to Foxborough, though, and get a win, get to 4-2 and two on the season, because if they do win this weekend and they're at 4-2, and two, they have the exact same record as they did at this point last season. So True, yeah. You just got to uh, kind of look at the parallels there. All right, last but not least on the crossover today, we're going to jump into the NBA, which has actually started. Uh, I know some of you out there probably don't realize that, but the NBA started a Tuesday night, and the Hawks actually got a win Wednesday night against the Mavericks. They went uh, to Dallas and, and got a win. John Collins, their draft pick, looked really good in the game, uh, scoring 14 off the bench. Uh, a guy they got in the Dwight Howard trade, Marco Bellinelli, 20 points, four of six from three. So the Hawks are obviously going to be very bad this year, but at least they started the season with a win, right? They can't go 0-82. Yeah, and up next they get to go play Dwight Howard. That's oh, right. Is it the first six games they play on the road? Yeah, because they're doing the stadium renovations, and I think they just wanted to give them a little more time before – they, uh, I think October 27th is yeah. their first time. game. Is that when game. Killer Mike's Barbershop opens? That's when Killer Mike's Barbershop opens and Killer Mike's group Run the Jewels is performing at uh, that game. Oh, they are? Okay. Yeah. So uh, Killer Mike going to be all over the place. And they're going to have that little top shot. You can go and play golf. The top golf, of, yeah. Uh, that's right. top golf. Yeah, that's the top right, golf yeah. suite. <laughs> yeah. You can go do that instead of playing uh, – Instead of watching the Hawks. Instead of watching the Hawks, you can go get a haircut. You can go, uh, go yeah. play top golf. No, but I caught the end of that game, and it was funny because they, they, the camera caught you know Mark Cuban. They flashed him, and he was just like shaking his head. Yeah, they're going to be – I mean, the, you think the Hawks are going to be bad? The Mavericks are going to be bad. I mean, the over-under for the Hawks was set at 25. I'd probably go over just because it's the East. I mean, I'd say maybe 28 wins or something like that. Well, I mean uh, – Went on the road at Dallas. That's a if you're if you've already taken the over, you're, you're feeling, feeling good, pretty good, yeah. But uh, the Mavericks, I mean, you talk about an over under. I mean, they might not win twenty. I mean, that, especially being in the West. In the West, yeah. And they still have Dirk, 
Um, Which they don't need to. I mean, they, they gave Dirk like a ridiculously fat contract, and it's like there's a way to deal with your aging veteran, and this is not the way to do it. Yeah. I think that Dennis Smith will be good for them, their rookie, who was, uh, what, out of NC State? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, nice start for the uh, for the Hawks, though. I don't know. I, for one, I'm just hoping they stink and get in the lottery. <laughs> Thank so, you for your confidence. We yeah. really appreciate that. <laughs> that's, but, <laughs> uh, that's, that's what I'm rooting for. Well, we'll see what ends up happening with Atlanta, but it's not going to be a good season for them. Looking at the rest of the NBA, it really does feel like we're just on collision course with Golden State and Cleveland again. Boston looked like they might have had a, a shot at being in there, and then it all went to hell when Gordon Hayward snapped his ankle, and you know they gave him a lot of money to come in and be this very important piece of that puzzle. And now you've got – basically they're the same team as they were last year now. They just traded out Kyrie Irving for – or, you know, Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving. I mean, you still got Al Horford. You lost some players. Jalen Brown's on that team, and he's very good. But it just doesn't feel like anybody's going to be able to compete with Cleveland. Although Cleveland the, – the East just feels so weak because Cleveland's got Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade now. It's like – I mean, is that going to do any? Is that going to do anything for you? No, I mean, as long as they, the key is they still have LeBron James. I I'd mean, say the four or five best teams are in the West. I mean, you look oh, at yeah. you look at Golden State, you look at San Antonio, Oklahoma City is very intriguing to me this Houston. year. Houston, Houston is there, and so maybe the best four, and then the fifth best team might be Cleveland. Right. Maybe. I'm all you know. I've been intrigued by uh, you know by the Wizards over the last couple of years, but I just can never get over that hump. No, like, but in the end, if it, you get to a seven game series in the playoffs, and the the Cavs are just gonna they're gonna win. Yeah. No, I agree. So. I mean, LeBron's gonna will them to victory, but I would say that if any of the four teams in the West that we mentioned, they would beat Cleveland in the finals. Uh, agreed. Maybe Even, not. Uh, maybe not Oklahoma City. See, I, I'm I don't so know. intrigued by that team because I think it added can, Carmelo. I think it can work. Like if Carmelo Anthony, if all he has to do is like stand in the corner and shoot threes, because you have Westbrook and because you have George doing a lot of the work, you have a Stephen Adams who works really hard on the defensive end of the floor. I think that could work, especially because you know Golden State was making fun of Westbrook. Like we know how to defend him. It's like. You know how to defend Russell Westbrook when nobody else is on his team. Right. Now that he's got other options, including Paul George, who is a very, I think, underrated player in NBA circles, I think he's very, very good. This team, they're the most intriguing team in the NBA to me because you know what you're going to get with Golden State. You know what you're going to get with this Cleveland roster. They're they're a little older. (laughs) So in terms of a team that could be very, very good or – Maybe it turns into a dumpster fire. That's why I'm I'm all on board with Oklahoma City this year. I really want to watch and see what happens with that. Team. The Western Conference playoffs should be fire. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, the, the I mean, East is just you know. And by the way, like that's what I mean. Who doesn't want to see that though? Once the NBA Finals rolls around, is Cleveland with LeBron against one of those other teams out of the West? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. Do you really want to see the Celtics or Wizards in the finals? No, absolutely so, not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Quite frankly, I wish that they would just get rid of like uh, you know East and West in the playoffs. I think there's been some talk about that and just seed it like one to sixteen. Yeah, I, I think like I've I've the idea has been floated to actually just shuffle the conferences and move some teams that are in the east to the west and move some teams that are in the west to the east well i just think that for the playoffs like i don't really care what you do in the regular season but if you got rid of conference affiliation going into the playoffs and you just had that one through 16 seeded 
playoff bracket, I think you'd get more intriguing matchups. Like I'd I'd much rather see Thunder Warriors in the finals as opposed to any team in the yeah. including Cleveland I mean, because yeah, they're yeah. just not going to be that good. Yeah, I mean if you then it's a true, you know, playoff too. Right. But I really here's hope the teams are the 16 yeah. best records and they're in mm-hmm. the playoffs. I really really hope we get um we get Warriors and Thunder in the playoffs this season though cuz I mean just the drama that you get with that with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook and I know that the NBA this year is doing that stupid thing where they've gotten rid of conferences for the All-Star game and it's just the two like leading vote-getters in each conference like pick, pick teams, their teams. Yeah. And Steph Curry was like, "Well, I'm just going to pick my teammates first. It's like, well then what's the point of changing it up, you know? I mean, you shouldn't be allowed if you're one of those captains to like pick a guy on your team unless like nobody else is right i mean i guess that's an idea like the nba it sounded good at the time and then all of a sudden when one of the guys comes out and says well okay i'm just gonna pick yeah (laughs) unless they do a deal where they like all right so let's say the leading vote getters are lebron and curry and curry yeah so then they're like, all right, well, LeBron gets to pick first. So then LeBron, you know, he picks Durant. <laughs> I would love to see, have to see, like, Durant be a captain and him, like, have to pick Russell Westbrook. Yeah. See, that's the kind of thing I want to see. Right. And what, and what like, and if he picked Westbrook over Curry, like if Durant had the first pick and went, I want Russ. But then it's like, you know, then you'd feel like, well, he's just being a troll. There you go. That's right. <laughs> so. All right, if, uh, he is an internet troll, as we found out. Well, he's got a fake uh, a fake account to, I, yeah. uh, to to make sure that people aren't talking too much smack about him. Right, or when they do, then what they he call comes it like a on. ghost account. I think is what it was yeah. called. But unfortunately, he tweeted it from his own. But he was being a troll because he was trashing Billy Donovan. <laughs> Just uh, sometimes when keeping it real goes wrong. Yes. and uh, that is what happened there to Kevin Durant. Uh, before we get out of here, if you had to pick one team that isn't named the Golden State Warriors to win the title this year, who is it? Cleveland. Just because they're in the East and because they have the easiest path? Yeah, and they have LeBron. They still He is still the best player. I'm going OKC. Probably just be, That's probably a pick with my heart, but I really want to see that team make some noise because I'm, I'm really into this Russell Westbrook against the world mentality. I like Russell Westbrook, but yeah. you know what? I don't like that because that team should be in Seattle. <laughs> that's true. So I don't want them to enjoy anything that Seattle should well, be. Well, hopefully if the NBA expands, Seattle gets a team back and they just go back to calling them the Sonics because yeah. I mean, that's, that's perfect. All right, well, that'll wrap things up on this edition of the crossover. Next week, we're going heavy Georgia-Florida. We'll, we'll talk about whatever the uh, Patriots and Falcons do as well, but it's going to be a heavy world's largest outdoor cocktail party episode of the podcast as we get you ready for the Dogs and the Gators down in Jacksonville. Chris Bram, I'm Sam Franco. Thanks for listening to this edition of the crossover. You've been listening to the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.